because it's so important, we're going we're to dwell on it and go deeper with it because it speaks to realities that are so important for us to understand and to live in, okay? N- not just to understand, not just to know about, not just to hear about, but it talks about realities that are so important for us to walk in and live in. This verse reveals a God who is really there. It reveals a Jesus who really is right at our side. It reveals a living Lord who speaks to us in time of need. It reveals the heart of God to comfort us, to reassure us, to remind us to not live in fear, but rather to take heart, to be of good courage and, and to face life that way, to, really, to actually walk in that. To actually walk in that frame of mind, in that, in that frame of heart. This verse re- reveals to me, as, as so much of Acts does, it just reveals the reality of the kingdom of God. Right here, right now, always near, always available. Unseen, but here, and very, very real. And the, the message of, of the gospel is that Christ died to bring us into this place where we really do live with him day and night right at our side. That's the kind of relationship that Jesus died to bring you into. And anything less than that or short of that, you really aren't walking in the abundance of what he, he paid such a, such a huge price in, out of such great love for you. Being disciples of Jesus means that we are disciples of Jesus in the moment, right here, right now, in the day, in the night, when we, when we walk out of here this morning, on our way home, in our car, wherever, whatever we do, He is right there beside us, and we are His. We belong to Him. He is ours. We are His. We are His disciples or His students. We are His sheep, is another way the Scripture puts it. He speaks and we hear his voice. We are in his care and he is more than enough for all that we need all the time. He's with us in the day. He's with us in the night. He's he's with us in our best times. He's with us in our worst times. He really is with us as he was with the Apostle Paul. I am, and I am convinced, I'm I'm convinced this this is a... uh, a problem that I that I think is prevalent. Probably all of us deal with this a little bit. It's 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 really prevalent in in some people's lives more than others. But I'm convinced that if we do not learn to confidently live with Jesus like this, we will always be turning elsewhere for our answers to life. Either you will turn to Jesus to survive and thrive. Or you'll turn to the latest book or the latest idea or something else on how to survive and thrive. Or you'll just go through life barely hanging on by a thread if you hang on at all. And I am convinced that many who name the name of Jesus, many who call Jesus Savior, in reality consider Jesus irrelevant to their real problems. I'm convinced that so many consider Jesus irrelevant to the real problems in their life, in their heart, in their mind, and emotions. But nothing else, no one else 
can answer the cry of your heart or satisfy the thirst of your soul like Jesus. And there, there is, and if I could say, it, this message is so simple this morning. And, you know, my prayer is simply that I want to bring you to Jesus. <laughs> that, that's, that's really what I, want, what, what I want to do this morning. I want, I want to bring you to Jesus, maybe, for, maybe someone here for the first time. But I want to bring all of us to Jesus to, to walk in this direct, moment-by-moment, confident trust in Him at our side. Uh, and there, there is nothing else in life. And, and I, I, I say this with, with, I believe this. This isn't, just, this isn't a theory to me. It's not, it's not something that I think I should say. There's nothing else in life that compares with the reality, the wonder, and the pleasure of this direct relationship, this direct, full-on relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We were created for that. Our hearts crave for that, even if we don't know it. Uh, even, if, even if we're not looking there for the answers to our life, that is where the answers to your life are found. Now, I, I know that this verse, Acts 23.11... Uh, I know this describes a very, a, a, in a way, a special experience that Paul had. It says, you know, the Lord stood by Paul, or the Lord stood near Paul that night. In the night, the Lord stood near Paul, and, and he said to Paul, be of good courage. Take courage. But in a very real way, the Bible clearly teaches the Lord is always near you. He is always standing by you. Uh, the Bible clearly and repeatedly promises the near and immediate presence of the Lord. And also in a very real way, the Lord is always saying to you, take courage. He is always saying to you, be of good courage. Don't be afraid. Be courageous. And God's presence and the message of, of, of do not fear, the message to be of good courage, that comes from the Bible. Okay? I mean, this, this, this is, it's simple truths, but they come straight from the Bible. God's presence and the courage that comes with that are Bible truths based on the gospel of Jesus Christ. The death, burial, burial and resurrection of Jesus opened up for us this relationship of nearness to God. Ephesians 2.13, you have been brought near to God through the blood of Jesus Christ. The very name of Jesus, Emmanuel, means God with us. The whole, the whole message of the gospel is to, is to eliminate this gap between us and God, to bring God near to us and us near to Him. And so th- this nearness of God means that you can live in fearlessness and courage toward life and death and even for all of eternity. And we could, we could cor- correctly say that, that Jesus paid for God's nearness and for your fearlessness. He, he, that's his will for you. That's his will for you to live in that, to walk in that, in all the circumstances of life. And that's, that's why he communicated that to Paul in the night. But I also want to say, say this. Uh, while that is always to be the reality that we live in. God's presence, His nearness, 
his, his, his voice speaking, do not fear, do not be afraid. While that's the reality we always live in, whether we, whether we feel it or, or, or see it or not, the Lord can choose to manifest himself with a, with a special impression as he did with Paul. God can manifest his presence and speaking at times with such power that, it, that it's just like he's standing right beside you, like he's standing near you. God can initiate special times like this to let us ex- experience his nearness and his voice, which are always there, but sometimes he can just make them more felt or more, more known to us in the normal course of life, and often it's in a time of great need, a time when, when we really need that. Now, was the Lord always near Paul? Of course. I mean, I think the Bible clearly teaches that. Was the Lord always near Paul? Of course. Were there times when the Lord was telling Paul to lose heart? Was there times when he was telling him to fear or to be a coward? Of course not. His voice to Paul and to us is always, do not be afraid. So he he has never given us a spirit of fear. He's never calling us to that kind of life. He's always calling us away from fear and to trust and to faith and to courage and to confidence. But certainly God chose that night in Jerusalem to to make his reality and his message especially felt and known to Paul. And and I fully believe there are times where God chooses to do that that for us. Several several years ago, uh, I was asked to officiate at my niece's wedding in uh, Bar Harbor, Maine. They did what they call one of these destination weddings. So everybody went to Bar Harbor, Maine that could for this wedding. So we went there, of course, because I was, I was going to marry them. Uh, and, and at that time, Cindy and I were going through s- some things that, that to us were very painful. We were going through some things that were very painful both in our family um, and in the church. And one of the days that we were out there in Bar Harbor, I, I felt the burden of that just very keenly. And I, I left our motel room just, just to go out for a walk. And uh, so I, 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 walked, I walked down this, uh, this pavement by the, there, right there by Bar Harbor. And uh, uh, I stood out there. On, it was kind of a cement platform right, right by the water that had this steel railing around it. I had, I had my foot up on this, the first rung of this rail, just leaning over this and, and just kind of feeling the heaviness of, of life. Uh, just with, with these unresolved problems uh, and seemingly unsolvable problems uh, weighing upon me. You know, and I went out to pray. I mean, I, I went out to, to, to find help for, for, for my needs and for, for my soul. I went out there to pray, but I really don't remember praying anything. But as I was standing there, out of nowhere came these these words just right into my soul. Just read, everything is going to be all right. You know, everything is going to be fine. And I felt so strongly it was the voice of the Lord that it was like the Lord speaking and just immediately all all these burdens and concerns and fears lifted off of me. And I immediately I felt carefree and full of assurance uh, that God would take care of all my concerns. And 
I felt so sure that it was the Lord when I got back to the motel room. I burst in the door and I said, Cindy, everything's going to be all right. It's all going to be okay. And I, I, had, I just had, had total confidence because I'd heard the Lord tell me that, speak that to me, to not be afraid. Uh, now, most of the time, when I have concerns or problems or issues like that, I, I go to the Lord by faith alone, believing His Word alone, that He is my shepherd and will take good care of me, and I grasp a hold by faith alone of His Word, that He is with me, that He is for me, and that I do not need to fear any evil or any problem or any person or anything. And I clutch on to promises uh, from the Psalms, like, my God will accomplish what concerns me. Man, that's one I, I love. Just If you're concerned, hey, just, you just you, you got a promise from the Lord. David said that. We just that we make that our confession of faith. My God will accomplish what concerns me. I mean, God is I'm, this I know. God is for me. And wh- or when anxious thoughts multiply within me, your consolations cheer up my soul. I mean, there, there, there's there's places like that in Scripture that 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 we go to 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 free us to free us from our our fears and and other other problems in our mind and heart and emotions that need to, to be fixed. And I see it as my responsibility to, to walk by faith, to actually, I see it as my responsibility to actually believe God, to believe that He is with me, to believe that He is sufficient to gloriously meet my needs. So, one thing I take from this passage, that, that there, there, is, there is both the, the constant and never-ceasing reality of the Lord's presence and voice, and then there are times where the Lord brings that presence and voice to our hearts in just, just a more felt or experienced way, but it's, it's always there. So, all right, let's... I want to go to this, this verse, and honestly, I'm really only going to talk about the first half of this, this verse. We're, like I say, we're just going to kind of drill down on, on this. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul. And we're going to stop right there. All right, this, here's what was going on in Paul's world when he went to bed that night. A couple of days ago, he had told the Jews at Jerusalem how Jesus had appeared to him. He basically shared his testimony of conversion. And what was their response? They call for his death. They say, this guy is not worth or he's not fit to live. And they, they tried to stone him. And a, a Roman commander uh, rescued Paul from the crowd. He brought him into the barracks to, to interrogate him and to flog him to find out what was causing so much trouble. And Luke, Luke says in chapter 22 that Paul was stretched out and tied down with leather straps, ready to be flogged, ready to be tortured. Uh, when, he was, when he was released at the very last second, because the Roman commander found out that he was a Roman citizen. Well, the Roman commander says that he, he still wanted to know why Paul was stirring up such trouble in Jerusalem. So it says the Roman commander sent Paul to the Jewish high court for for a hearing so he could figure out what the Jews were accusing Paul of. Well, if if you know the story, and Josh read it for us last week, uh, at that hearing, the high priest Ananias 
ordered, ordered a man to basically hit Paul in the mouth, to, to strike him in the mouth. And it was at this hearing that this big fight broke out. Paul brought up the resurrection, and there was this big fight between the Pharisees and the Sadducees over Paul. And somehow, in this, in this riot, riotous uh, atmosphere, it says that uh, it, it says it was so violent that, that the Roman commander feared that Paul would be torn to pieces. So I don't know if, you're, I, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you felt like you, you're, you, you might actually be torn limb, for, limb from limb. I, I doubt it. But here, Paul is in a situation where not, not, not only he probably thought it, but even this tough Roman commander thought they're going to they're going to actually they're going to actually tear this guy's body apart. They're going to tear him uh, to pieces. So the Roman troops, uh, so the Ro- uh, so he sent the Roman commander sent Roman troops to forcibly re- remove Paul and to put him back in the barrack in the barracks, and that was what was going on or what had gone on. That was Paul's life when he went to bed that night. Pretty, pretty, pretty rough circumstances. Pretty tumultuous. A lot of drama, I would say, right? A lot of drama. And it was then on the following night that Luke says that the Lord stood near Paul. Now, this is not the first time that, that Paul experienced the Lord's comfort and assurance and presence at night. In fact, several weeks ago, I had the privilege of speaking um, on another experience that Paul shared about when he was at Corinth. It says, one night the Lord, at Corinth, it says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid, keep on speaking, do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you, because I have many people in this city. And Again, maybe I make too much of this, but I love the fact that the Lord sometimes comes to us and speaks to us at night. I mean, God watches over you day and night. God is never detached or disinterested in you and the things that you are living through. Never. Uh, He's never out of the office, so to speak. Uh, He never is too busy to answer his phone. The Lord, or the Psalms communicate this, this uh, never-ceasing care in Psalm 121, 2 through 3. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. Because he who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. I mean, God never falls asleep on you. He's always watching over you. When you're, whether you're awake or whether you're asleep. He doesn't sleep when you sleep. He's thinking about you and watching over you for good. And that, that means that you can sleep in peace. You can, you can lie down, as David says, I can, I can lie down in, in safety. I can, I, can, I can go to sleep in peace because God's, God's watching over me for good. It also means that God can commune with you in the night. You know, uh, David says, you know, I, he looked forward to those night watches more than the watchman for the morning. I mean, he, he looked forward to those times in the night because he, they were so, such times of such sweet communion with the Lord. 
And that can happen because God never slumbers or sleeps. He's always watching over you. And among the sweetest things in life is, is to sense the very real presence of, of the Lord in the night and to have him put courage back into your soul during a time of intense difficulty or, or even sorrow. And, and, you, and you go back to sleep with, with peace, with the, with the insurance, instead of anxiety and a troubled heart. Luke said the Lord stood, stood, stood near, near Paul. Uh, you know, if we wanted more detail, we're not going to get them. <laughs> uh, perhaps the Lord actually appeared to Paul. I, I don't know. Perhaps the unseen presence of the Lord was just there in a way that, that he knew the Lord was there. Uh, we don't know for sure. Uh, but whether seen or unseen, the Lord's, the Lord's presence was so felt... You know what I mean by that? I mean, the, Lord, the Lord's presence was so felt, uh, so felt and by, by Paul's heart and, and, and mind that the only way that you could put it in human words was to say, the Lord stood near me. That's, that's, just, that's the only, only way you could describe it. Just the Lord stood there right by me. I've always appreciated C.S. Lewis's statement that God never does anything the same way twice. And I think it's so true that no two spiritual experiences are the same. And so I'm not trying to get us to press ourselves into some exact duplicate experience that Paul had here. But on the other hand, I don't think it should be that unusual that at various times we would sense the Lord standing near us and saying, be of good courage. It is biblical that the Lord is near and it's biblical that his nearness should affect how we respond to life. Philippians chapter 4, there's a, there's a verse that we typically don't think about in the Lord's nearness but always has made a big impact on me. Uh, this passage in Philippians 4 says, Rejoice always. Again, I will say it, rejoice in the Lord. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men, for the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but take your request to God by prayer and thanksgiving. So it's like right in the middle of these exhortations to rejoice, to to maintain a gentle spirit with all that's going on around you, to not fear anything, to not be anxious about anything is, is the anchor truth for all of that. The Lord is near or the Lord is at hand. Uh, we, we, we rejoice, we keep our composure, we keep our, our reasonableness, our sweet reasonableness. Uh, we cast off all anxiety and fear because the Lord is near. Which is almost exactly what Luke said about Paul's experience, the Lord is stood near him. Uh, Sam Storms has a message titled, The Lord is at Hand. No, it's not the second coming. Uh, And it's from this passage that I just read from you in in Philippians 4. Uh, He says, Paul's point in Philippians 4 is that the Lord is close to you, present with you, aware of your conduct concerned about your relationships 
with others. He is available and willing to come to your aid and assist you. And that changes everything. The Lord, the Lord is near. All right, I'm going to move on. I'm going to share uh, four, four points and uh, try to move, move through these uh, quickly and, and, we, and, and trust in, in the power of the Holy Spirit that will, that will communicate with you. And try to get Mike home for that 11.15 start of the Iowa game. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. I hope you got it recorded, Mike. So, okay. All right, number one, it's, a, it's so important that you actually believe that the Lord is always near you. That that, that can't remain just a, a, a doctrine or a theory. Jesus himself promised his immediate presence to his disciples to the very end. One of the most precious promises that Jesus ever made. I am with you always even to the end of the age. He's saying, my presence will never, never be withdrawn or taken away from you. Not for a day, not for a night, not for any moment in your life. I will always be near to you to the very end of this present age, to the very end of the world, to the very end of time as you, as you comprehend it. He promises that. Now, I, I am with you always. Um, and I just want to ask you in a, in a soul-searching kind of way, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus in this right here, right now, always with you kind of way? He invites you to that today. That, and that's what I'm calling you to today. I mean, this message is, is so simple. I almost feel embarrassed to give it. It's so such basic truths. But that's what we're calling you to. We're, we're basically calling you to Jesus, calling you to walk with him in, in this kind of relationship today. You know, when you pray, it makes a big difference if you believe you are talking to someone near you or talking to someone who is not there. It makes a big difference whether you face your daily routine your blessings, your sufferings, your enemies, your kids, with confident awareness that the Lord is near you or if he's way out there somewhere. It makes a big difference how you handle times when you are all alone, when you're working through that pile of dishes or laundry or working on on your car or working at your desk. It makes a big difference if you believe the Lord really is near you or if you think, if you really think he is not. It makes, makes a big difference how you treat waitresses or neighbors or relatives or your spouse if you really believe in the real presence of Jesus with you in love and power and grace. C.S. Lewis said, Faith is not a matter of our hearing what Christ said long ago and trying to carry it out. Rather, the real Son of God is at your side. He is beginning to turn you into the same kind of thing as himself. He is beginning, so to speak, to inject his kind of life and thought into you. 
And I love that because that's exactly what is going on in this, this verse. Paul, or the Lord comes and stands near Paul, and then he's trying to, in C.S. Lewis's words, he's trying to inject his kind of life and thought into Paul. He stands right near Paul, and he says, Paul, I want to I give you my thoughts about this situation that, you, that you're in. I want you to be of good courage. And that's what he wants to do for you, too. He wants, he, he wants to stand right at your side, and he, he, he wants to inject his thoughts, his perspective, his courage, and, and a whole lot more. He wants, to, he wants to inject that into your life and into your thoughts so that you become like him and you face life like him. All right, second, once you believe, know, and know that God is always near you, it is important to aggressively set your faith on these realities. This may sound like a repeat of the first point, but, but, but it's a little different, just a little different angle. David said, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Some verses, some translations say, I will never be shaken. Okay? So we, t- we take hold of the Lord's very real presence by faith. And, and by faith, we, we, we set him right before us. He's there, but we open our eyes to that. By faith, we grab a hold of this truth and we set the Lord always before us or beside us. And, and David said, okay, I, I've taken hold of this reality that God is near me and I... By faith, I set him right beside me. That's how I live my life. And because of this, I will never be shaken. And that is something you do. You set him right before you. He's already there, but you have a responsibility. I do too. I'm not, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not, not, not just, uh, uh, you know, coming, coming down on you guys. You know, we have a responsibility to, to make ourselves, to keep ourselves aware that he is right beside you. you. You open your eyes to see him at your right hand. You acknowledge his nearness always. You know, I'm not talking about manufacturing spiritual experiences out of thin air, but if you want to experience God and know his presence with you, you must take the initiative toward that kind of living. He's offered it to you. He paid for it on the cross. James said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cindy and I and Elizabeth, I think some others maybe have been reading a book by Adolf Sapphire. Thoughts on, I think, uh, the, the Hidden Life, Thoughts on Communion with God. And one of, this, one of the, my favorite quotes out of it is, All the saints of God who are now in glory have only one secret to tell us. Only one. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And another quote of his that I love, he says, To feed on Jesus is an act of the will. In other words, experiencing a Jesus who is near us does not just happen while we effectively ignore him. We must must go after this life with Jesus and grasp it by faith. And... Living by faith, 
um, is, is like the difference, or living by faith or not living by faith, and I've shared this before, it's like the difference between going to the mall just to look or going to the mall to buy it and take it home. And, you know, when I go to the mall, I, I walk through stores, and I, I, I like to be left alone, but, you know, I always ask you, hey, can I help you with it? No, I'm just looking. My wife's out in the mall. I'm just, I'm just walking. I'm just looking while, you know, while she finishes up her, her things. And a lot of Christians live the Christian life like that. They kind of walk through the mall, so to speak, of the scriptures and the incredible promises of God. And we just, no, I'm just looking. No, not interested in taking, buying anything, taking it home. Well, living by faith is you go buy that thing and you take it home. You say, okay, that's for me. I, I want to own that. I want to take that for me and I'm going to take it home and have that. And I'm going to experience that. Uh, you know, it says, I guess in Hebrews 4, where uh, it talks about how... Uh, talks about the, the promises of God and it talks about the Jewish people. It says, but it didn't profit them because they didn't mix it with faith. You know, I mean, God, God can be the most wonderful God in the world. The presence of Jesus can be the sweetest thing in the world. But if you don't, if you don't mix it with faith and walk in that, as it says, as, as, Paul, as it says of the Jews, uh, it, it did not profit them because they did not mix it with faith. There's a, a, a man named Frank Labach. I'm not even sure how you, how you pronounce it. I don't know that much about him, so I'm not necessarily recommending everything he's written. Um, but I read this story about him. And he was deeply moved by this hymn, which some, some of you have been around, around the block, so to speak, uh, in Christ, Christian circles over the decades, I'm sure know this. Moment by moment, I'm kept in his love. Moment by moment, I've life from above. Looking to Jesus till glory doth shine. Moment by moment, O Lord, I am thine. And then here's, here's what I want you to listen to. This is, this is what he said. He read the words of this hymn, and he, he, this is what he wrote about it. It is exactly that moment by moment, every waking moment, surrender, responsiveness, obedience, sensitiveness, pliability, lost in his love, that I now have the mind bent to explore with all my might. In other words, I mean, do you want to know Jesus moment by moment? Do you want to be lost in his love moment by moment? No? And this, this guy said... From, just from reading, reading the words of that hymn or hearing the words of that hymn, he said, I've, I've got, now got the mind bent to explore that with all my might. And he said, this involves two burning passions. First, to be like Jesus. Second, to respond to God as a violin responds to the bow of the master. And so the, I think the question for us is, I mean, are, are, you, are you that dead set determined to go after living with Jesus moment by moment kept in his love moment by moment experiencing his life from above another verse that I, I had Josh put in the bulletin is from John 14 21 that, that, that shows that shows I'll say our uh, 
the opposite of passivity in, in stepping into this kind of life. It shows, shows a, a, a responsibility. It's not, not something we, can, we, we work up in a sense in our, our own effort, but it shows our responsibility and, and experience the presence of Jesus. I love this verse. Jesus said, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. He's just stating, stating a, a reality. He's talking, he's talking about, I mean, there's people that love Jesus, there's people that don't love Jesus. And the way that, the way, the way that you know somebody loves Jesus, they want to please him. Okay, that's, that's just what, he, what he's saying here. Jesus says, whoever has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. Then he says, really amazing thing, the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and will reveal myself to him. Some versions say, manifest myself to him, or I will show myself to him. So, let me just state that again in my, in my own words. Jesus said, I will show myself to those who love me. Right? That's what he said. He said, if you love me, my Father will also love you. And I will love you. And I will come right up to you and show myself to you. Hey, don't you want that? Don't you want to know Jesus in that, that kind of way? Where I'm not talking... I'm not, I'm not, talking about necessarily seeing him physically. I'm not going there. I'm just saying that the presence of Jesus, him being right near you, it's just so real. It's just like he's come up and stood right right by you. And Jesus said, I'll do that for you, for those who love me. And part of the reason that Paul experienced this kind of thing that he did that night in Jerusalem and, and same thing the way he, he experienced the Lord coming up to him at night in, in Corinth and other times in his life where the, where the Lord just showed himself to him, where the Lord made himself so obvious, so real to him. Part of the reason Paul experienced that because he loved Jesus. And I'm not, it, it's not trying to create a work salvation, it's just a reality that if we, if, if we love him, he wants to show himself to us. And he'll, he'll, he'll manifest himself more and more to us. You will not experience the presence of Jesus as, as you just keep doing what everybody else is doing or by doing what you've always done or just responding to life with the status quo. You know and experience his love and his power and his goodness through coming to him as his disciple and obeying and, and, and loving him and seeking to please him. Um, do, starting to do things like blessing that person who did evil to you or, or forgiving that person like Jesus forgave you or not responding to your kids or your spouse and irritations and problems the way that you always have but, but by beginning to live life with Jesus, obeying him, following him. Number three, it is, it is important that you know the Lord wants you to take courage. And again, what he said to Paul, he, he has said to you. As I said earlier, the, he is always communicating to us, do not fear, take courage or take heart. In other words, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ wants you to have 
courage, and, and optimism in your heart. He wants you to have, live life with, with a courageous heart, with an encouraged heart. And so Jesus came to Paul in that night and he, he, he told him to face all these threats and uncertainties and dangers that we just talked about earlier. He told Paul to face all of those things with courage. He said, it's like, again, in my own words, he said, okay, Paul, you know, I see all the mess that you're in. Here is how I want you to live with courage. I want you to face all this stuff with courage. Take heart. Be of good courage. You know, the, the Lord is, is not only at our side. I mean, it's, it's not only that we acknowledge the Lord's presence, but He is always teaching us how to come at life. And, and that's what He was doing for Paul here in this mess that He was in, in this extreme danger that He was in. The Lord, the Lord was saying, Paul, okay, here's how I want you to come at this. I want you to face it with courage. And he's, he's always guiding us into all truth. Um, I, I love that verse in, that in Colossians that says that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge reside in Christ or found in Christ. All the, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, in, including all that you need for your life, are found in him. Amen. And one of his main messages to you that will never change is take heart, be of good courage, do not fear. Even the, the, the King James version of this verse, "Be of be of good cheer." Uh, are you are you li- are you lis- are you listening as as he's speaking speaking that to you? Uh, Richard Wormbrandt. Oh, Mike, I'm not going to get you home for that game. <laughs> Richard, Richard Wormbrandt, uh, founder of Voice of the Martyrs, was he was arrested by the communists on in Romania on February 29th, 1948, on his way to church. It's an incredible story if you've ever read the book or uh, Tortured for Christ. But uh, February 29th, 1948, and he found such great comfort that the Lord said, do not fear, uh, 366 times in Scripture. I've not counted that, but I've heard that many times. And one for each day of the year, including leap year. <laughs> and and he, he, that thought came to him, and, and he, he felt that that was what was, God was saying to him when he was captured by the uh, communists, by the secret police or whatever agency grabbed him. You know, A.W. Tozer said, God's, God spoke a book... And he lives in his spoken words, constantly speaking his words and causing the power of them to persist across the years. I love that. God speaks to us. He speaks to us in the scriptures, but it, and it's but it's and it's it's a living voice that with which with which he speaks. What what God has said to us in the scripture, he is continuing to speak presently to our hearts. And then fourth, it is important that we respond to God's voice. Paul not only heard the Lord say, be of good courage, the, the rest of his life showed that, that, that he took that word and he purposed to live that way. I mean, when the, and, and the lesson there is simply when the Lord speaks, 
take it to heart. Uh, when, the, when the Lord says, do all things without grumbling or complaining, we need to take that to heart. You take it seriously. When he says, do not let your heart be troubled, we need to take that seriously. We need to believe that. We need to say, okay, Lord, you're telling me how to come at life. It's what I'm, that's what I'm going to do. That's what Paul did. When he says, be of good courage, be of good courage we, we take that to heart. Hebrews 13, 5 and 6, God has said, I love, love the way that verse starts, God has said, I will never leave you and I will never abandon you. Then we have a response to make to that voice. The writer of Hebrews gar- guides us to respond to God's voice, to respond to God's message. What's the, what's the verse say? Or what's the verse go on from there? It says, so we say with confidence, the Lord is my helper and I will not be afraid. What can mere people do to me? So there's, there's the voice of God. I mean, there's the nearness of God. There's the voice. And it is so important that we, that we, that, that we respond with a huge yes, with, with a... With a Okay, Lord, yes, I, I, I receive that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that, that to heart. Oswald Sanders uh, said the basic same, same thing, which is really good. He said, am I learning to truly hear him and then to respond after I have heard what he says? Have I really let God say to me that he will never leave me? If I have not truly heard this assurance of God, then let me listen again. Okay? Sometimes you just need, okay, need, need to go back and listen. Okay? Hearing him speak to our soul, though, is only part of it. Then we speak out with confidence based on his word, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere people do to me? So we can live with amazing confidence and fearlessness in the drama and danger of life if, if we actually trust what he says. So as I said, this message is very simple. It, it, it's a call to you to come to Jesus, to walk with Jesus. It's a a call to walk in the very real presence of the Lord and to to listen to his his thoughts, his his directions for your life and and to live, to actually live in the moment out of that place. It's, It's a call to actually be disciples of a living, present Jesus who can stand right near you It's a call to live with Jesus and to be set free from our fears as well as our sin and our self-absorption and everything else that's wrong and broken in our lives. But primarily, at least in this verse, it's, it's a call to live with courage and to be free from our fears. It's a message to be of, of good courage because the Lord is near. Let's pray.